Hello, everyone, and welcome to Global Gurus, where every Friday we explore stories of international business and speak with industry leaders operating around the world. I'm your host, Philip Auerbach of Auerbach International. Thank you for joining us. We start each broadcast with a running segment called Faux Pas Fridays, where we explore a funny blooper or mistranslation that does not quite convey the professional image that your organization should project or wants to project. So as an example, a sign in a Hong Kong dentist's office said in English very simply, teeth extracted by the latest Methodists. Today's guest, um, Rachel Paling, and she is an international businesswoman who transforms teachers worldwide with professional coaching and the added dimension of neuroscience and neuropsychology. She has trained nearly 1,200 neuro-language coaches in, in over 70 countries, and now she is developing neuro-heart education for all educators. So please welcome Rachel Paling. Hello, Hello Rachel. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. I'm delighted to have you. So before we begin, your wonderful introduction has quite a few words with neuro in it, neuroscience, neuropsychology, neurolanguage. Could you please uh, let us know um, what, what all of that means for those of us who don't speak neuro? Yes, there are quite a few there. Um, well, definitely fascinated um, with the brain, the learning process, and how we can enhance the learning process as educators. And the one thing I'm focused on is really bringing in the research from the neuroscience, from the neuropsychology, from emotional intelligence into the learning process itself. And also that educators can live the science. So it's not just about regurgitating and, and telling everybody about the research. It's actually about what can we do to, to live it, to manifest it, to make it happen? We could say that what, what can we do to make the process extremely brain-friendly and that we get the added impacts of optimized learning. And on the one side, you have neural language coaching, which is created for language teachers and language professionals. And on the other side, I've created the NeuroHeart education, which is for all other educators, whether maths, company trainers, biology, whatever. So that's a little bit about uh, all the neuros there. That's fascinating, thank you. And I saw that you've got a neuro language section as well on your website, is that correct? That's right. So that's that's the one that I was saying about uh, for the language educators. Hmm. And this is something that um, I started in, in 2012. So I'm celebrating 10 years this year. And um, we did the pilot with 12 language teachers back then. And now there are nearly 1,200 all across the world in over 70 countries, wow. all different languages, all different language com combinations. It, it's phenomenal. I'm very grateful to all of them. That's outstanding. Incredible. Well, from your accent, Americans can tell that you're British and you live in Spain, which is wonderful. And I know you've also lived in, uh, is it France and Italy and Germany? If I'm not mistaken. Right. So perhaps right. you could tell us a bit uh, before we dive in 
uh, a bit uh, a bit more uh, just to tell us a bit more about your background and how you grew up and how you gained your global experience well i have to say firstly i'm grateful to my parents because my father had a travel agency when i was a little little baby and in those first um, 17 years of my life, we would always come to a place south of Barcelona called Sitges, and that's where he would bring the people um, on holiday. And maybe three, four, four times a year, um, we as a family would, would be coming over. So I think I was exposed to Spain already uh, as a baby, and, and that seems to have transformed my heart. So I would say I'm kind of Spanish English. I, I do think I'm a, a little bit of a mix there. And at the age of 17, I actually stayed in Spain. Um, I got married very early at the age of 18 to a Spaniard. So I um, became fully bilingual, integrated into the life here. Um, and, and fascinatingly, you know, you and I were talking about maturity. And I think now I'm at the age in life where I can look back and I, I can see even that step of coming to live in Spain at the age of 17, just how impacting it was on being a teacher, being an educator, um, developing through life with different cultures, being able to manage people, connecting with different languages. And, and through life, you know, I, I think I've had the gift of being able to live in different countries like Italy, France, Germany, Spain and in Catalonia as well. So I've been exposed to languages naturally. It, it hasn't been something that I ever sat down and thought, I want to be a polyglot. No, it really did come Just with the different yeah. Absolutely, yes. Marvelous. Um, and that sort of leads to other questions about, um, well, let, let's come back to that in a moment, but what does international business mean to you? You've obviously done it. But, for example, um, if a person sells a book overseas, is that really international business or do you see it in a very different way? I see it in a very different way because I think um, if, if we use the term business and if we are uh, running a business, I think it's a little bit different to being what we would say in England, a sole trader. So a person with uh, maybe their persona as a sole trader, selling a book, et cetera. Now, if you've got an enterprise behind that book, then I would say, you know, we're looking at more of a, a vehicle. Uh, you know, we, we would say a legal vehicle to, to run that business from. So for me, international business means that there is that enterprise or that, that business in whatever shape or form, and that it is dealing with other countries, multiple countries on various levels. So yes, that, that word international, I think nowadays, Philip, we have to substitute it with global. And even, even now, what we are experimenting and, and my new language coaches are coming into becoming global edupreneurs. So we're now having educators because of the pandemic, because of what's happened. So many of them now have changed from a local market where they were going down the road to the local company to give training to actually developing their businesses to be cross-border and worldwide. And it's phenomenal. That is marvelous. That's, really, that's great. Um, 
I think it's, it's certainly much more common in Europe than it is in North America, uh, because obviously the countries are so close together and, um, and, it, and it obviously fits so perfectly with your background because you, know, you, you now live in Spain and you know, you've been to these other countries and you came early and so you were exposed at a very early age. To, under, to knowing and understanding that there are other languages and cultures and in, how to interact with people uh, in different ways. Yeah, that's right. Um, so as you've launched your, your ventures, um, is there one that you feel has been the most successful? And if so, what did you do to make it successful? Well, I think I'm still in that developing the business stage mm -hmm. um, you know the first years were I was living in Germany and developing the business from there so I was also quite local at that point um, a lot of local business yes I was traveling in the in the area of Germany but little by little it was about developing uh, with other countries, with other teachers, trainers, educators, and, and more and more that expansion has, has increased. And now we are expanding quite rapidly. And I think, um, I would say it's all in that package of beautiful development. And I'm, I'm just so happy and, and um, I'm, I'm excited with it. You know, when you see something that you've planted as a seed, mm -hmm still growing and it's growing and it's growing and now you see the petals are coming out and the flowers are starting to bloom and it's like whoa um yes i would say i'm still on that road too and i don't think you know philip i think um the word success is interpreted by everybody differently yes definitely. Um, for me every day is a success you know every day yeah. that you yeah. have a beautiful day we have amazing business happening in the background you've got people learning people happy with what they're learning yes. and receiving and then they are going and transmitting this to their learners mm -hmm. for me that's the most beautiful part of this work the feedback that we get from the learners yeah that's very very true and of course the other great reason to be grateful and happy is if we've got our health and you know we've got our families and we've got our relationships and all of that so that's also part of just feeling successful as a person naturally Absolutely. Yes. yes you had spoken about this a bit earlier but um what did you think well what did you learn or what did, did you experience uh to help you thrive in, in global business are there any lessons from your background definitely i think the language aspect um being able to communicate in many languages um actually helps to understand more how to communicate because when we go into different languages we're going into different cultures different temperaments different ways of saying things and if you're in a negotiation and, and you get offended because suddenly somebody has spoken very abruptly for your liking yes it might actually be just that their language is one of those very direct languages and if you don't understand that there can be some misinterpretations that really can lead to stalemates no negotiation uh, and really no deal 
So I think for me, the, the language, the living in the different countries has given me that broad outlook. And, you know, through my life, everything that I've learned, everything that I've done has contributed to running this business. That's marvelous. It's great. It, yes, it's really extraordinary how one's background we pull from so many different elements and influences to create the, of course, we are the people we are because of all the past experiences we've had, and then we can channel it into our careers, whatever they, they may be. And yes. what you've done is, is superb. So, yeah, uh, you know, as you, as you know, I run a 30-year-old language translation agency, translating and interpreting, and we, we do 120 languages. And certainly, as you know from having learned them, that when you learn a new language, you learn a new way of thinking. And as you were saying about abrupt speech, it may be abrupt in that culture, in, in our culture, but to them, it's to others, it's perfectly natural. So um, this gets into cultural differences. Have you ever experienced, since you are so aware of languages and cultures, but have you ever experienced a cultural difficulty, uh, either you or you know of one, that may have jeopardized or doomed a venture? And then how did you adjust to it? In my particular case, I would say that I've always managed to try to understand. I think for me, um, sometimes in Germany, um, right at the beginning when I was sort of trying to understand the language, trying to understand business in Germany. And I have to say in Germany, there were 20 years ago and, and still a little bit nowadays, there are very hierarchical businesses, very much the old type, you know, where a lot of men are in the management. And um, there were a few run-ins, you know, as a lady, mm -hmm. um, and especially as a business lady, 15 years ago, it wasn't so well, I'm going to say so well accepted in, in some cases. Um, and of course, I was struggling with the language, and I think that didn't help in some situations. So if I had been a little bit more au fait with the German and a little bit more uh, cultured and cultivated in, in every aspect over there, maybe I would have handled certain situations better. That's fascinating. Um, yes, you're, ve you're very right that many... The cultures such as Germany, um, the Germans are very hierarchical. Um, and in Asia, of course, uh, the most hierarchical are Japan and Korea. Um, and you know, if if one goes into a situation without without understanding that, or especially as an American, for example, because the United States was founded on on the the um, idea of equality, and right. you know to escape from, you'll forgive me, but escape from British rule, which was much more about class and, and uh, hierarchy and, um, well, from, from Americans' point of view, imposing the rule from the outside as opposed to our deciding. Um, and so in the United States, um, this is something I personally very much dislike, but in the United States, people start, they, they assume that they should first name you. When you meet someone, hello, this is John, this is this is Samantha, this is Jill, um, and you just start immediately. But in other cultures, of course, it's extremely impolite. 
And one should always say, Senora, Senora, Monsieur, Madame, meine Frau, mein Herr, whatever the case may be. And you know, you never use the first name except when you become much more comfortable, familiar, and often until the person gives you permission. That's right. That's right. Um, and it's fascinating, you know, because the, the respect that some languages demonstrate just through the language mm. is fascinating. It really is. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, in, in, other lang in, in English, we have the word you, and that's masculine, feminine, singular, plural. Whereas in other languages, most of, well, certainly European languages, um, there's always a formal you and an informal you. And sometimes in other languages, there's also a masculine you and a feminine you and singular and plural. And so it gets, you know, where we use you generally, you have to be very careful distinguishing, of course, in other languages and cultures and how one behaves. Yes. And Philip, I'm thinking you and I could be here all night in language paradise. Talking about that, right. Good. <laughs> Well, let's move on to other things, which because they may interest people a bit more. Um, well, so very similarly, um, how do you adjust to a market, uh, to to a new market or new country, um, if it doesn't match what you know? If you're plunging into it for the first time, definitely, definitely uh, with the locals. So I work with local partners. Um, I actually um, have at the moment 30 teacher trainers mm. in different countries. And um, I rely heavily on their wisdom, their expertise, and their knowledge of their own countries. Um, definitely, I cannot know all there is to know. So I, I really would recommend anybody who is going to go into a country, they, they need to have a local partnership there. Local partnership? Local partnership or local collaboration. Partnership. Absolutely. It's essential. Uh, how would you, how have you handled it, handled the situation where um, you don't speak the language? Let's say, for example, you want to expand into Poland. Uh, I presume you don't speak Polish or it's not terribly fluent and you may not know any partners there. What, what would you do in that case? Do you know? I would wait until I've got the right contacts. Mm. So um, I would really be waiting for Polish connections to come in. So working with teachers from all over the world, this is how it has developed for me. So I have had those teachers coming in, do my courses, and then they have wanted to really take what we do and develop it in their countries. And I've given them that sort of uh, blessing to say, yes, let's go with it. Let's run with it. And in fact, uh, I do have a, a, an amazing business partner in Poland uh, called Katarzyna Ilinska. And um, she's been with me now for about seven years. And she's phenomenal. And she's really, really developed this over there and is continuing to develop it. So again, I would say it's more about being patient and, and allowing maybe those countries to come to us. Mm. And then finding the right partners that are going to develop it with us. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's certainly a very valid model that a lot of people follow. Yeah. Um, if you had the chance to tell your past self some advice from your current self, 
what do you think you would tell yourself? Oh, my past self. Actually, can I change the question? Sure, please. Yeah. <laughs> if my current self could go back to my past self, I would definitely have loved as a child, as a teenager, to know much more about my brain. Your brain, fascinating. Yes, how to handle it, how to manage it, how to really optimize, you know, learning or mood or whatever. Um, I really wish, Philip, that we could get this information to children nowadays because we have this information now. Mm. Whereas when I grew up, you grew up, nobody spoke about the brain. You know, right. it's kind of, we all had one, we all have one, but yes. never, never spoken about. Well, except for psychiatrists, perhaps, but... And yeah. then there was something wrong with you. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but no, nowadays, really, I would go back to my young Rachel, right. and I would start explaining to her, this is why you're upset here, or this is what you could do here, and this is what's happening here, and this is how you can manage yourself here, and absolutely, absolutely, how life would be so different knowing how to manage and optimize the brain throughout. That's fascinating, and uh, you were you were right in rephrasing the question because my brain got it wrong, so I'm, I'm glad that your brain was smarter than mine. That's excellent. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. My past self giving me some sort of message for right. now. It could be. <laughs> it could be. Right. So, um, tell me about, I guess, life beyond business. Is there some something? Um, is there something beyond business that gets you very excited? Yes, there is. And um, over the last years, I have become a very avid paddleboarder. I'm sorry, say it again, paddleboarder. Yes, oh, I love paddleboarding. I've got my own paddleboard now. I'm the proud owner of a paddleboard. And um, I, I live next to the sea. So right. my paddleboard has a little place by the sea. And whenever I can, I, I'm a little bit like an addict. You know, I, I kind of get up at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning to go down to the sea. Um, and I'm waiting for that change in the weather to really get down to my paddleboard. And over the last years, I have to say as well that I've really stepped up my sport and I've been swimming a lot right through the pandemic. One of the only things that we could do, the swimming pools were open most of the time here in Spain. And so I became uh, addicted to swimming. So every week, maybe three, four, five times a week, I go swimming. Mm -hmm. um, go to the gym, go to Zumba, love dancing as well. Um, definitely sports, movement. And in the summer, well, uh, in Spain, it's, it's kind of like a long summer. Right. So it's kind of like from March to November, <laughs> I'm on my paddleboard. That's yes. wonderful. And you're illustrating another part of doing business globally, which I, th which I think is flexibility that you have to go with the flow and you know and yes. you, you can't be very rigid and yeah I, I feel it absolutely and you know I, I really equate this to the paddleboard you have to learn to ride the surf mm, yes correct and it's really the equilibrium that you know one day the sea's going to be rough one day it's going to be calm and running a business is 
precisely that. And we have to be so flexible. You know, you've had this 30 year business, which is phenomenal. And you know that, you know, there's going to be times when it's stormy, there's going to be times when it's calm, but we have to stay solid on that board Mm -hmm. and keep that equanimity. This is my favorite word. The (laughs) equanimity has to be there. That's wonderful. Yeah, um, there's an expression, well, comparing Asians or Easterners with Westerners. Westerners are like an oak tree, you know, very rooted and very solid. And Easterners, Asians, are more like bamboo. They sway with the wind and they're very flexible in that, in that way. Yes, beautiful oh. image there, definitely. So before we close, is there anything else that you would like to share with us? I guess I just want to share that I am passionate about changing education, but not me changing it, but the collective of educators. I do think that we are in a shift, and I think many know that, they feel it. Many teachers are intuitively shifting, and I think as well, Philip, I'd love to just take a second to acknowledge and recognise and really say to teachers worldwide, what they've done in the last two years has been miraculous. Mm. You know, we speak about the medical profession, we speak about so many others, teachers are not spoken enough about. That's true. And their resiliency to make it all work. Yes. Or or to do the best they can to make it all work. That's right. And I know that we are coming into this new era, which for me is the neuro heart education area. We're taking neuro education one step beyond because we're going to be bringing in the heart. We're bringing in the holistic human, the holistic approach, and we're learning to adapt. And and here I'm going to go back to the bamboo. Philip, Mm. we as educators have to become like the bamboo. We have to sway and bend with our learners instead of the learners having to adapt to us. Very true, very true. Well, we need to convey that to many ministers of education worldwide because (laughs) education systems are not built that way. I hope, honestly, Philip, I think the teachers will change the systems. I hope so. So, We are going to change the systems, definitely. That's fantastic. In most ways, schools definitely need changing around the world. Little by little, we're getting there. We did it. That's absolutely correct. Well, thank you, Rachel. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a superb pleasure gaining your insights and learning about your business and your perspectives and points of view and ways that um, other people can can learn and adapt for for global business based on some of your your, uh, wonderful experiences. Thank you, Philip. Delighted to to be here and uh, definitely a lot of warm wishes to all the listeners out there. Thank you. So this has been Philip Auerbach. Please join us again next Friday for another edition of Global Gurus and their stories on international business.